0: you may be seated
1: most of us are people of routine we keep our schedules we do our jobs we stay in our own lanes but sometimes our routines become ruts and we miss god it takes something big something extraordinary to get our attention to wake us up to make us see beyond ourselves and notice what god is up to in the book of acts we see god do just that something big and extraordinary he established and unleashed the church. With just a handful of emboldened eyewitnesses and a story of good news, God forever changed the world. He did more than anyone could have imagined, and he still does today. So don't miss it. Let's open our eyes and see God do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine.
0: I'm so glad that you made the effort to be here today. And for some of you, it's probably more effort than some of us others, and so if you, maybe had to get the kids up and awake and that was tough today or you're a single parent or you're uh, maybe uh, your parents weren't there to make you get out of bed and you still got out of bed and you're here Uh, whatever reason I am so thankful that you're here for some of you probably there's physical pain there's there's hardship there's things going on in your life right now that make life difficult but you are here and I am thankful that you are here And Our prayer is that God will bless you, not just for being here today, but will bless you as his child who looks after you, who takes care of you. God is in control. No matter what's going on in this world, no matter what's going on in your life, don't forget that God is in control and God is a loving, merciful God. We're talking a lot about God in this series, especially how he's working in the world, how he worked in the world in the first century to establish his church, to advance the kingdom in the known world of that day. And God is still at work today. God didn't just work in the pages of the Bible and then sit back and say, okay, good luck. Hope everything goes well. God is active through his spirit. God is active in our world. And it's good for us to acknowledge who God is and what he's doing. Today, we're gonna to be in Acts chapter 13. If you have your Bible or your device and you wanna follow along, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 as we continue to walk through some of the uh, stories in Acts. We're actually extending this this sermon series. This is the bonus material in the DVD set. This is uh, a few extra lessons for this series. It just fits so well, and God continues to work throughout Acts. It's not like he stopped in chapter 12 or chapter 11. So it's good for us to look at, and it certainly fits well today for Commission Sunday. Before we get into the lesson, though, let me just mention a couple of things. First of all, let me tell you about something happening here next Sunday night, a week from tonight. We're calling it Walk to Remember. We did one of these actually many years ago. October is the month of awareness for infancy loss and pregnancy loss, and it's a great opportunity for us to acknowledge that many people struggle, that many people, their stories are filled with pain, sometimes pain that others of us don't know about. Miscarriage is actually more common than you might realize. I think it's something like 10 to 20% of pregnancies actually end in miscarriage. Fewer end in stillbirth, but that's also a, a huge issue. And we want to take the time to surround people who've dealt with this or are dealing with this and just extend our love and support. Maybe this is you. Maybe you have gone through this recently. Maybe it's been 10 years, 20 years, even longer as you know, as I know, this it doesn't go away. It becomes a part of your story. It becomes a part of, of you. And so we want to take the time to acknowledge those losses and to remember those lives and to remember those, not just lives that were lost, but the dreams and the hopes that have been lost as well. And to take the time to acknowledge uh, the hurt and the pain. And so if If this is uh, something that applies directly to you, please be a part of what we're doing next Sunday night. Or if you know someone in your family, a neighbor, someone you work with, and you know they've dealt with miscarriage or infancy loss or stillbirth or loss of a, a young child, invite them. What a great opportunity to reach out, right? I mean, maybe you've invited them to church or you've thought about it. Here, you know this is something that's going on in their life, and you can say, hey, our church just wants to, uh, to show comfort and support. Would you, would you go with me? I'll, we'll go together. And, and speaking of that, we need not just people there who are going through this loss or have gone through this loss, but we want lots of people to come and be that cloud of witnesses, that support system for, uh, for the group there. So this next Sunday night, We'll have it after the meal and the Devo for Sunday night for the Master. We're going to start in the chapel with a short program, and then we're going to walk over to Angel Park, where we will do a very special commemorative activity. I'm excited about that activity, and we want you to be a part of that. So, again, that's next Sunday night. Also, just wanted to say a word about so many of our ministry transitions and expansions recently. We've Our shepherds seem like they've been up here a lot announcing different minister transitions and hirings. And, and those those are such good things, positive things for our church and for the kingdom. And I'm just so excited as someone on our ministry staff team to to see what God is doing in and through our staff. I'm, I'm thankful for Jeremy's new role, expanded work in family ministry. He's already doing so much in that area. And those efforts are going to increase. And then Sean is so gifted in counseling and helping us with mental health issues. It's such an important area. And we as a church and as a ministry team realize that it's not just our spiritual life. You know, we sometimes use that phrase, my spiritual life or my prayer life. The truth is it is life and life is spiritual. But as a part of that whole system, intertwined is the physical, is the emotional, is the mental, and and the relational, and all of those things are connected, and, and we want to try to minister to the entire person. So I'm excited about what God is already doing through Sean and his ministry, but as that expands, and then with Jeremy and our family ministry, that is exciting, and then also bringing on Sam to work with John in our youth ministry. Great things are happening with our youth ministry and of course the other ministers and our support staff, so many others and many of you, ministry leaders, deacons, so many serving God. God is actively working in this congregation and it is a blessing to be a part of such a positive, such a positive place, such a place that is seeking the will of God and I hope that you consider it a blessing as well. Speaking of God working, We have been talking a lot about that in this series as we look at how God worked throughout the first century as recorded in the book of Acts. As we said, God continues to work today and it's important for us to be aware that God is working, that God isn't just sitting on the sidelines. So we've been praying this prayer, something like this, God, help me dare to imagine what you can do. And God, give me the, the eyes, the spiritual awareness, give me the faith, to see when you are doing something. So often we go through life with our blinders on and so wrapped up in our own circumstances, circumstances and situations that we, we fail to see God. We fail to see what God is doing. And more than anything, this is a prayer of spiritual awareness because the truth is God is going to work whether we call on him to do that or not. God is going to be about his work in this world, accomplishing his goodwill. The question is, are we going to be a part of it? Are we going to see God? Are we going to join God? So keep praying this prayer and keep looking for God. I believe one of the greatest ways God works in the world is to bring about transformation in our lives. And that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, his life, his sacrificial death, and his powerful resurrection. That good news of Jesus is transformative, and it has transformed lives. It has changed families. It has transformed entire communities, and certainly it has altered the eternities of millions of people. You probably know people who you have seen a visible change in because of Jesus. Because somewhere along the way, someone told them about Jesus. Someone showed them the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. And you have seen this transformation take place. And you look at them and think, wow, what a change this person has made. And maybe it's you. Maybe it's your story. You know the transformation that Jesus has made in your life. The change of trajectory, the change of purpose, the change of peace and joy. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if you've heard the gospel your whole life or maybe you heard the gospel later in life as an adult. Whatever the case may be, the transformation is striking. I think sometimes those who, as we say, grow up in the church seem a little disappointed because they don't have a powerful conversion story like the Apostle Paul or like someone else they hear give their testimony. But the truth is, transformation has taken place in all of us. And all of those stories are powerful because it is saving someone who has been lost. It is making what is dead alive again. It is giving new hope and new purpose and new meaning and new peace that only comes through Jesus. There is power in that. And that brings about change in our mindset, our attitudes, our worldviews, and our hearts and our lives and our relationships and every part of who we are and what we do. And that change is powerful because the gospel is powerful. And it seems fitting on this Commission Sunday to celebrate one of those stories, one of those lives forever changed. This is Marguerite. We're about to watch a video of her baptism. She is the daughter of our missionary family in Guatemala, Marco and Heidi's daughter. And recently she was baptized into Christ. And our own Tori Smith got to be there to witness this baptism, this new life, this point of transformation. Watch this short video.
1: In that tarde, hermanos, Margaret will be baptized in the name of the Father, of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit to forgive her sins and to the Holy Spirit and eternal life.
0: You can tell we we cut the video there, but you can see and hear the celebration after she is baptized. What a beautiful sight. I tell you, they were not going to let her go, were they? They were not going to let the current take her away. They had her secured in that water. But if we could take that video and rewind it, and not just a few seconds or a few minutes, but what if we could rewind it months in years, And I could tell you what we would see, and I don't even really know the story, but I can tell you that somewhere along the line, and probably many times in her life to this point, someone, namely her parents, have shared the gospel with her. They have told her about Jesus. They have taught her scripture. They have embodied and lived out in front of her what it means to live the way of Jesus. And each seed that is planted in her heart and her mind took root, ultimately brought about, through the Spirit of God, a transformation of one's life, of her life. You see, if we rewind the tape, we see what leads up to that moment, to that beautiful moment that we love to celebrate, that moment where transformation is truly initiated and As you come up out of that water, you live a new life as a new creation made by God himself. And Paul reminds us of this process as he backs up and he considers what gets us to that point. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul backtracks here from the point of conversion. And he says, before you get to that point, you must believe. You must believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. How are you going to believe that? Well, you have to hear the message You have to hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing for the word of God. And to hear the message, what needs to happen? Someone needs to share it with you. Someone needs to speak it to you. And for that to happen quite often, it means someone is sending that person. Someone is commissioning that person. He says, the feet that take the good news to the world. What adjective does he use there? He says they are beautiful. Obviously, this is a figurative statement. (laughs) Most people's feet, not that beautiful. That's why God created shoes. But I love this beautiful picture, this imagery. How beautiful are the feet of those who take the good news. In other words, how important that role is. What a pleasing sacrifice to God are the feet the bodies the lives the mouths that speak the message of the gospel you see here at Edmund, we want to be a church that has beautiful feet a church that takes the message of Jesus to the world and that has always been God's desire for the church that's always been his plan that the church would be missional not passive but we'll be actively sharing the story, the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not simply absorbing the spiritual blessings that God gives us, the peace that we want, the forgiveness that we need, the salvation that we long for, not just taking those things in and keeping them to ourselves, but being a channel of those spiritual blessings to the world around us. That has always been God's plan. That's his calling. As we continue to look at the many overt ways God worked in the world, as recorded in the book of Acts, we see how the gospel began to radiate from this hub in Jerusalem out to the rest of the known world. You see, the church in Antioch began, as Christians in Jerusalem were persecuted so much that they left town, they traveled 300 miles north to the city of Antioch. And there they established the church, they started church, and they began to do the work of God. Acts chapter 11 tells us that Paul and Barnabas are there for a year working with that church. And then they reach a point in time where they say, you know what, we need to expand our vision of the kingdom. Maybe God doesn't just want us to take care of of things here, but maybe God can use us to take the gospel somewhere else. Here's what happens in verse 2 of chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who is also Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The church was seeking God, how? Through worship and through fasting. Isn't that interesting that that detail is included here? We think of worship, yeah, that's what we're doing today. Check that box. But you can tell their hearts were fully devoted because they were sacrificing They were fasting, they were praying, they were seeking the will of God. It's one thing to talk about how God works in the world, it's another thing to say, God, we we want to know what you're doing because we want to partner with you. We want to be a part of what you're doing to truly seek the will and the work of God. That's what this church, that's what this group of Christians is doing. And the Holy Spirit works in them, speaks to them, leads them. And God says, Paul and Barnabas, they're going to be my ambassadors. They're going to be my messengers. They're going to be my missionaries. Send them out. And what does the church do? They they put hands on them. They they bless them. They pray over them. And they send them out on what we call Paul's first missionary journey. What a great scene. Beautiful feet going. Loving hands blessing. Blessing. Devoted hearts sending. That is the picture of the church. Everyone working together for the good of humankind. Answering the call, the commission of God to take the gospel to the world. To be disciples who make disciples. So Paul and Barnabas go. With the blessing of the church and the calling of God, they go. They end up in another Antioch, Antioch, Antioch-Pisidia, And there they go to the synagogue on Sabbath and they are teaching and talking to probably mainly a Jewish crowd, but also some Greek converts, some Gentile converts. And Paul tells them the story of the Jewish people and how God was always working to accomplish his will and his plan of redemption through Jesus. Jesus would be the Messiah. Jesus would be the anointed one. And the crowds, they couldn't get enough. And so when it was time to dismiss, they said, Paul and Barnabas, you've got to come back. Next Sabbath, come back to the synagogue and tell us more. And they did that. And this time, the place was packed. But not everyone there was there because they agreed with Paul and Barnabas. Back in our text, verse 44, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. You see, wherever the gospel goes, opposition grows. That's the nature of it. Wherever the gospel goes, opposition grows. And it makes sense, right? In a hostile world, the message of Jesus, the way of Jesus, is so counterintuitive, it's so countercultural, It goes against everything that most of us have inside of us. I mean, just read the Sermon on the Mount. Basically, Jesus says, do everything the opposite of what you feel like doing. Don't seek revenge. Go the extra mile. Sacrifice and surrender. Be last, not first. Don't call attention to yourself. Why wouldn't this message be received with opposition? Why wouldn't this message be threatening, be so unsettling? Well, certainly it was, especially for a group who were still looking for their Messiah, still holding on to the tradition, still looking for someone besides Jesus to be the anointed one. And that's when Paul revealed God's comprehensive plan, beyond Israel, beyond the Jews, his comprehensive plan to extend salvation to everyone, to the Gentile world. Verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. Interesting phrase there. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. You see what Paul says there? He says God's plan is so much bigger than one people. It has always been God's plan that the gospel, that salvation, would go to the far reaches of the world, every tribe, every tongue. And Paul here quotes Isaiah, one of their prophets, Isaiah 49, 6, revealing this plan that that the message of salvation would go to the ends of the earth. That phrase is used in Isaiah. Well, some didn't take too kindly to this message of inclusion. And they ran Paul and Barnabas out of town. But we're reminded at the very end of this chapter that despite opposition, despite persecution, there's something we need to notice about those Christians. Verse 52, and the disciples were filled with, with joy, and with the Holy Spirit. Don't those two things go hand in hand? When you have the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're also full of joy. And we all know that joy is more than happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Your team wins, you're happy. Something good at work happens, you're happy. It's your birthday, you're happy. But joy is more deeply rooted in something eternal. Joy transcends circumstances. And even though these Christians are facing persecution, they are facing opposition, everything is not easy for them, there is joy. Because they are spirit-filled and spirit-led. Oh, to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. And So what we learn here is that taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, it wasn't an accident, it wasn't an afterthought. It was the deliberate design of God himself. It was always the plan of God. Look in the Old Testament. God commissioned and positioned Israel to be a light to the nations. That phrase, the nations, was used throughout the Old Testament to refer to the Gentile world. Now, they didn't do a very good job of it, but Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations. And then Jesus comes along. The word becomes flesh. And he lives. And he transforms by his teaching and by his life. And then he dies. That sacrificial death. But God raises him back to life. And before he is seated at the right hand of God, he appears to people. He appears to his disciples. And he gives them what is sometimes called the final command. It's the passage that Kent read to the children before. The Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go and make disciples. Where? Of all nations. Baptizing them. Teaching them to obey. Go make disciples of all nations. It's always been God's plan. Luke's account tells us that before Jesus ascends to heaven, that he gives his disciples a global vision of the kingdom. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's that phrase again, to the ends of the earth. The same phrase from Isaiah 49, the same phrase from Acts chapter 13. Jesus' words here, they are descriptive. Here's what's going to happen. He says, you are going to be my witnesses not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and ultimately to the ends of the earth. But Jesus isn't just describing, he's not just predicting what's going to happen. These words are prescriptive as well. They are instructions. Is it a commissioning, a commissioning, a calling? Here's what you are to do. You are to be my witnesses all the way to the ends of the earth. And of course, that's what happened. You go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. When there's great persecution against the church, what happens? On that day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Where did they go? Judea and Samaria. That's the day that Stephen was killed because of his faith in Jesus. And God uses that tragic event to propel the gospel from a localized movement to a global phenomenon. Isn't it an amazing thing that God truly does work in all things, even awful things, even tragic things, to accomplish good? What a great example here. And here's the even more amazing thing. He often uses his people to make it happen. A few verses later in chapter 8, verse 4, those who had been scattered, what did they do? Did they go hide? Did they keep their mouths shut? Did they try to save themselves because they were fearful? No. They preached the word. Wherever they went, they spoke of Jesus. They bore witness to what they had seen, what they had heard. How could they not tell people about Jesus? It was remarkable. It was transformative. And as they go, they speak of Jesus. And that gospel has power to transform lives. Where did they go? To Judea, Samaria. Ultimately, as we see throughout the book of Acts, to the ends of the earth. What does this mean for us? It means a lot. For some of us, our worldview is so small. Our world is just too small. Our view of the church, our view of God's kingdom is so narrow, it's so localized. We need to expand our vision of the church and the kingdom. Are you ever reminded sometimes about how big the world really is? And not just geographically, physically, but just where your mind always is. I think we have a tendency because, you know, we live in a certain confined space to only deal in that space. Yesterday I was watching a football game. I was in that space. All of a sudden, the news comes on, breaking news. We interrupt your regular program with this breaking news of what is happening in Israel, the tragic events happening in the Middle East. And it just thrust you out of that current spot, that current space, and it throws you into another space. And such a dichotomy. Some of you on your social media feeds yesterday, you know, you're looking at all the things that you're looking at, and of course those Algorithms know what you like and what you want to look at so you're looking at your recipes and you're following this and you're viewing that and all of a sudden you see some of these news feeds pop up and again it thrusts you out of that world into a bigger world a world where there is heartache a world where there is pain where there is injustice where there is suffering where there is war and you're reminded in that moment oh yeah oh yeah it's not just my one little spot it's not just my one little world there's a lot going on The world is much bigger and the church is much bigger and the kingdom of God is much bigger. God wants us to adopt an ends of the earth perspective when it comes to being disciples who are making disciples. Legend has it and history confirms it that during the medieval times, many times explorers when they would use and make maps on the edges of the maps and the uncharted territories, they would write the phrase, here be dragons here be dragons and the phrase was supposed to mean yes this is this is a place of uncertainty we don't know what's out there no one's really been there and it's probably dangerous so be prepared if you go to the edges of the map if you go to the ends of the earth be prepared for danger isn't that the nature of mission work going out into the great unknown Leaving your comfort zone, going and entering into the place of uncertainty and potential danger. As we take the gospel to the ends of the earth, there will be dragons. There were for Paul and Barnabas. They were challenged, they were persecuted, they were run out of town, they were beaten, and even worse. There were dragons, but they still went and the church still sent. Why? Because the job was too important, the message too critical, people were lost, and God was not about to let his messengers be silenced. Here at Edmund, we have missionaries. We have missionaries out on the front lines And they have devoted their lives to sharing the good news all over the world. To share, to live out, to embody the gospel, the transformative good news of Jesus. You might say that their feet are beautiful. But just as we need them, they need us. If they are the feet, we are the hands. That bless. We are the hands that put upon them the blessings of God through prayer. We are the hearts that give, that send. And that's what Commission Sunday is all about. It's a reminder of our true mission and purpose. It's a renewed focus on being disciples who make disciples. It's a reordering of our priorities. It's an expansion of our worldview. It's a wake-up call to say that our world isn't just what I'm in right now. There's so much more going on in the world. It's a time to look outside of ourselves. So as we consider how we can be a part of what God is doing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, let's watch this short video.
1: To the ends of the earth, that's where Jesus sent his disciples to be witnesses. The good news of Jesus is too big, too important and too far-reaching to localize. It's not just for one people or one place. The gospel needs to be taken to all corners of the world, to all tribes and tongues, to all nations near and far. Everyone needs Jesus, from Montreal to Mexico, from Cuba to Haiti, from Germany to Nicaragua, from Guatemala to Zambia, and places in between, and people yet to be revealed to us by God we can't afford to keep the gospel to ourselves. Jesus calls us, he expects us, he empowers and equips us to be his witnesses and to take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth.
0: Many of you I know, like me, you schedule your giving online. Probably many of you have already given for today and that's that's great. If you haven't, I would encourage you To give. And the amount isn't as important as us joining together to do this, the participation in giving. And this act of giving, as it should be every Sunday, is an act of worship. It's an act of sacrifice. It's an act of reflecting the heart of God. It should be very intentional. Even if you give monthly and you plan it all out or you schedule it or however you do it online, it should still be a very intentional act. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm always kind of, I don't know what the word is, amused, surprised, not always quite ready for the question when I'm checking out at a store. This happened this past week. I was buying something, and, and the person at the cash register said, would you like to round up your change to the next dollar to give to this charity? And, and honestly, I can't even remember what charity it was. I remember it. it I'm sure this is a good charity. I do remember this is how my weird brain works. I do remember whatever I was buying was $20 and 78 cents. So when they said, would you like to round it up? I thought 22 cents, wow. And you know how they ask you, they, they elevate their volume a little bit. So everybody in the store kind of looks at you like, hey, are you gonna be a cheapskate or are you gonna round up and give to these hungry children? And of course I said, yes. Again, I don't even know what I gave to. I probably should research that a little bit more, but you know, pressure in the moment. That giving is, it's fine, it's good, but that wasn't very intentional by me. I didn't go into that store, you know what I wanna do? I wanna give 22 cents today to this good charity. That wasn't my plan, it just sort of happened in passing. Maybe today you've shown up and you feel like I'm the guy at the cash register saying, hey, would you like to round up your change? I hope that's not the case. I hope that you've, you've come ready to give or you've already given or you plan to give. But however you do it, be very intentional. Not in a way that celebrates you and your generosity. Leave that to God. But in a way that says, I want to offer God what really belongs to you anyway, what you've lended to me, what you've loaned to me. I want to give it. I want to offer it because there is important work that needs to be done. There is work that needs to be done as we take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So thank you for giving. This is such a generous church. Time and time again, there are needs. There are opportunities. And this church steps up each and every time. Thank you for generosity. Thank you for your sacrifice. Let's join together and pray a prayer of blessing over the money that was given by the children this morning and over the money that is given by this church today and over the next couple of days and probably the past few days. Let's join together and pray. Father God... Thank you. First of all, we just thank you for being a merciful and gracious God, for pouring out your blessings on us. God, we know that as as we have so much, that really much is expected of us. We want to be faithful to you, to your calling on our lives, Father. We are thankful to be in a position to have missionaries, to send out mission trips, to do special projects like camps and care packages and so many other things that in tangible ways show and teach and tell the good news of Jesus. Father, we pray that as we continue to send people into the world that you would bless them, that today that you would remind the men and women that we support on the mission field that they are loved and supported, that your spirit would fill them with the joy we talked about, that they would be faithful to their calling and, Father, that you would renew their energy, their strength, so they could continue to serve. And, Father, our prayer is that every cent given, that every penny given, will be used to bring you glory, would be used to share the good news of Jesus, would be used as seeds planted in people's hearts and minds that will bring about transformation as your spirit works in our lives. Father, thank you for this church family. Thank you for the generous heart this church has. And Father, we offer all things to you for your glory, to advance your kingdom, to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we wrap up, let me just tell you that there's something else you can do. If you were out on the mission field, what would you want besides financial support? You would want encouragement, wouldn't you? You would want prayers. Would you reach out to our missionaries. We did this on our last Commission Sunday. We put this QR code up on the screen. You can go to our website under the people tabs and missionaries, and at the bottom of that list, you'll find it as well. That's where this QR code will take you. And you can just write a short message, and then we'll compile all of those and send them to our missionaries. We did that in June, and they were so thankful. In fact, let me just show you one of the comments This is from Marlon, one of our missionaries in Nicaragua. He said this, Thank you very much. I've read every word written in this email, and I'm very grateful for it. This also motivates me more to move forward in the faith. Thank you very much for everything. May God bless you. That is echoed by our other missionaries who received your words of encouragement. If you're like me, you're like, Oh, that's a great idea. I need to do that. And then I get busy and I forget. So maybe you need to set a reminder right now or scan that QR code right now. I guess it's gone right now. There it is, look at that. Scan that QR code, it'll take you there or bookmark it or whatever you need to do. And just, it doesn't have to be a long letter, just a short note, maybe share a scripture or a word of encouragement or a prayer for them. I know that that would mean the world to them. And so if you could do that, that would be much appreciated. To the ends of the earth we see this reality unfold throughout the story recorded in acts as the gospel radiates from one place jerusalem to judea and samaria and ultimately to the ends of the earth and the truth is it's still happening today and thank god it is happening and thank god that we get to be a part of that so as we wrap up let me just remind you that you should be a goer or a sender, or both. Each one of us. You see, in the kingdom of God, there's really not a place to stand on the sidelines and watch. We need to be in the action. We can all go, or we can send, and we can pray, and we can support, or we can do all of those things. Where is God calling you today? As we wrap up, I just encourage you to Continue to walk with the community of faith. Don't walk alone. And if we can be that for you today, if we can pray for you, encourage you, let us do that. I know our shepherds certainly want to be here for you. In just a moment, when we stand up to sing, a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor. It's right behind me, out this hallway. And you can exit any of these doors, go there. If you want a a quiet moment with them, just to share your heart or to ask for a prayer or just share good news, I know they would love to receive you and welcome you there. Or you can come down to the front and we'll pray for you and encourage you as well. Maybe you're ready to make the decision that we saw Marguerite make to claim Jesus as Lord of your life, to confess faith. You want that transformation from the inside out, from your heart, then shown in your life. You believe Jesus is the one, the Son of God. And you're ready to live your life for him, to be baptized into Christ. Don't wait any longer. Do that today. If there's something we can do, we invite you to come as we stand and sing. Let's stand.